the Lord instructed me to um, begin a new series this morning, and I hope you'll write down, just take some notes, and be a quick note taker. Amen. We're going to begin, and, and I think we're going to go through the Sunday mornings of December, talking about excelling in life with confidence. And what does the Bible have to say about confidence? How do you excel? But let's, let's center up a little bit on excelling and what does it mean to excel. In the Bible, Daniel, for example, excelled in his life. Even as a prisoner, think about this. Now, even as a prisoner in a strange land, he excelled higher than all the other people that were there. Even though he was not a citizen of that nation when he was a captive, he was a POW and what was considered not to be of their race. You know, it's an interesting thing, why we have racism. We, we think racism is because of race. We've got different race, so therefore we have racism. The truth is, there's no such thing as race. There was racism, and therefore it created race. God just made people. And I'm glad we're not all the same color or the same size. Listen, I, I tell you, you need to remember this. I know I've told you this before, but if you had a field of yellow flowers and another yellow flower right in the middle of that yellow flower field, you wouldn't remember that yellow flower in the yellow flower field. Yeah. <laughs> right? Amen. Yeah. But if you're called to be a purple flower in the middle of a yellow flower field, yeah. everybody yeah. would always remember you. Amen. Because God created us unique. Yeah. God right. never created races. Right. He created people. And it's like Keith Moore said the other day, if we've all got the same father, Adam and Eve, mom, you know, parents, Adam and Eve, yeah. then we're all in the same family. Yeah. That's, right. That's just interesting to think about. Amen. Well, Daniel now, he's, he's considered an outcast in this nation. He's, he's in captivity, but yet he excelled in his life. Now, we get the word excellent from it. We get the word accelerate even from it because it means to go further, even though you start, I know it's right. a different sort of name, but it means to go further and go beyond. A better word for it is the word surpass. That means you pass all others. David, uh, Daniel rather, passed everybody in his field or in his area simply because he knew how to excel with confidence. The word surpassed, and I'm going to show it to you here in the scripture in just a minute. If you want to go ahead and write down the references, Daniel 6, 3. You don't have to turn there. I'm going to, I'm going to take you right to it. But if you look at the word excellent or excelled, it means surpassed. And here's what surpassed means. It means he top everybody else. It literally translates to be bettered or to beat, to beat everyone or to exceed. Look at it on the screen. I'll show you what I'm talking about. This is Daniel 6, 3. Watch it now. This then Daniel was preferred, notice that word preferred, above the presidents and princes. Now that word preferred is the word I'm working on and it caused him to excel. That's what I want you to see. Let's read it. This Daniel was preferred above the presidents and the princes. Remember, he's a, he's a prisoner. He's an outcast. But he was more popular or won the popular vote more than the president or the leaders in the country. This Daniel was preferred above the presidents and the princes because an excellent spirit was in him and the king thought to set him over the whole realm. Now that's pretty powerful. Amen. We usually Amen. teach this when we teach favor and certainly favor is involved right. in this. But I want you to see what made that favor work. This is big to me, Brother Joel. This is, this, I've never seen what I'm about to show you this morning and I'm going to try not to judge your faces as whether or not to show it to you. <laughs> This then Daniel was preferred above. Well, now, when I always read that, Brother Gary, look, look, you see that part, was preferred above? It made me think, well, this is what the people did. They preferred him. 
And that's what it looks like in the King James Version. But that term means, literally translated, where it says was preferred above, means to distinguish oneself. To dis- I hope you're writing this down. Because this is something that Daniel did, not the people. The people didn't distinguish Daniel. He distinguished himself. And because he distinguished himself or thought of himself as a distinguished individual rather than his circumstances telling him who he was, he distinguished himself as something great because of God. Don't misunderstand me. This is not talking about self-confidence away from God or apart from God. I don't have trouble with the term self-confidence. Susan and I were talking about it last night. Now, I have trouble when people say it because I don't know what they mean. But when I say self-confidence, I know who myself is. Myself is Jesus lives inside of this man right here. Yes, amen. That's right. So I've got confidence in that greater one on the inside of me. Amen. But I want you to see this. This is key to what we're going to look at today. This means, if I read it right, look at this. This then, then this Daniel distinguished himself above the presidents and the princes, because an excellent spirit was in him. That's pretty powerful. Amen. Amen. Not others distinguished him first. He distinguished himself first, right. causing the ones around him to distinguish him. That's good. Look at it in the NAC, NAS version. Look at this, NAS, New American Standard. Then this Daniel began distinguishing himself because an excellent spirit was in him because he possessed an extraordinary spirit. Wow. Amen. Now, good. the little dot dots you see there, I was letting you know I left out part of the verses, but I wanted to show you the part that was pertinent to what we're talking about. Daniel started distinguishing himself. Why? Because he had an excellent spirit within him or an excelling spirit. A spirit that wouldn't let him settle on status quo. There was something in him called confidence that wouldn't let him accept himself on a low level or where society and circumstance had placed him. But he distinguished himself and it brought extraordinary results into his life. And the Lord said, if you'll teach on this and and don't get in a hurry on it, he said, you'll begin to bring that out into people. Listen to this. Daniel possessed an inward quality that when released caused him to surpass all other people. Daniel worked it to his own favor. He excelled because he had a spirit to excel. In other words, it was in his heart to excel. He surpassed because it was in his heart to surpass. So comes the question, what's in your heart today? Where do you see yourself a year from now? We're coming to the end of this. Listen, 2019, the Lord's already said it to us, has been the best year in some of y'all's lives. Come on. You've told me that, and I've seen it in you. Best year in many of your lives. And the Lord said more is going to be done in December. And where do you think 2020 is going on top of that? Where do you think 2020 will take us? Not very far. If you don't have a surpassing spirit in you, you won't surpass. If you don't have an excellent spirit within you, one that causes you to excel. But the only person that can operate that for you is you. Not in most of our cases, most of our cases, we have not been surrounded by adults, 
coworkers or friends that have tried to put that spirit in us. What do we say about the world? Now we got some good people in our lives. And, and maybe you are used to try to put that in others, and that's the way Christians ought to be. Amen. But how many of you have heard terms like what, it, what they say about the world out there? It's a dog-eat-dog world. Is that right? You're not going to say anything today? Some of you got the half nod. Is that right? <laughs> the world says it's a dog-eat-dog world. It's a rat race, they call it. But see, for the Christian, listen, because you got the self-help gurus on one side that don't want to even acknowledge God, you have to say things like this because this sounds like self-help because I'm talking about this is something Daniel did for himself. You remember how I said to you last Sunday a week ago, Brother Jim Killingsworth used to say all the time when we'd knock on his door, he was an older gentleman, he'd come to the door, he'd say, nobody here but us chickens. Well, that's really a poor image to have of himself, though you hear that term a lot. Nobody here but us chickens. That's a common, old, antiquated, I guess, phrase. Of course, antiquated is now an antiquated term. <laughs> Time ticks away, and I'm doing nothing with you, I don't reckon. This is important. If a person was unsaved, they would do better with what we're teaching, godly principles, than not to operate in them. So to, to encourage anybody to improve themselves is a wonderful thing, right. saved or unsaved. And if you let them know it's God working that in them, it might be the very thing that will bring them closer to God. That's right. Amen. See? Amen. Amen. That's right. But now for you and I, though, what I'm trying to say with Christian people, I, 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 read, I say something a pastor said the other day. It really blessed me. He told me about his church. This was what his little phrase. You know how we say we're reaching the lost? And that's why it's a good thing. Here's what he said his church was doing. He said, and I thought, I told Susan, I said, we ought to incorporate this. I like this. He said, we're reaching, at our church, he said, we're reaching the lost and teaching the found. Oh, that's good. The Lord said, you're doing that already. Why not say that? You're reaching the lost, but you're teaching the found too. Some of us came out of churches where they all wanted to reach the lost. That's a good thing. But they never taught us anything once we got in there. Never discipled us. But thank God we can get the word and grow. Amen? Amen. So Daniel worked this spirit of favor in his own favor. He excelled because he had a spirit to excel. It was in his heart to excel. Here's the fact. Listen to this. Excelling through life is never an accident. If you're going to excel and surpass and go beyond and become top cat, <laughs> it's not going to happen to you by accident. It's not an automatic thing for you to excel. Amen. But it is the result of extreme intention, a result of earnest effort. Excelling is a matter of choice, not chance, and yet that excelling that you decide to do will determine your destiny or your future. Amen. And it's what you do with it is going to make the difference in whether or not you excel. Amen. Good. I'm going to show you scripturally right quick in 2 Corinthians 8, 7. If you'll write that down, don't turn there. I've got one I'm fixing to have you turn to. God wants us to excel Amen. in every area of our lives. An excelling life pleases God. <clears throat> One that doesn't, doesn't please Him at all. Amen. And I know I've mentioned this a few weeks back too, talking about the other things we're talking about in faith. How, how many of you have children? Amen. How many of you didn't answer because you don't know if you do or don't? I, you know, I don't know what your problem is. How many of you know whether or not you have children? Say amen. amen. How many of you like your children excelling in life? Amen. Anybody, anybody got a plan for your children to be held back? 
No, not only do we want them to excel, we're real proud of them in a, in a humble right. way. Amen. We're real proud of them when they do. That's right. Amen. I mean, you know, how many times have we had, Gary's talked about his children, the accomplishments of his children. It's an amazing Amen. thing. That's right. I get to tell my children's stories all the time. <laughs> you know, I'm in the pulpit more than, than maybe you are. But we all are proud of our children yes. when they excel. We're not happy when they don't. That's right. A good parent has usually said something like this, I want you to go further than I've gone. You know, do better than daddy's done. Do better than mama's done. You know, we'll say things like that because we want to see them excel. Well, then don't blame God and accuse him of being a parent that doesn't want his children to excel. God wants them to excel, but if it's something I've got to work in me or allow to go to work in me like Daniel did, then I've got to get busy with it. But it's not, I'm not going to say that I'm not excelling because God doesn't want me to. Never say that. Here's the scripture, 2 Corinthians 8, 7, if you'll just look on the screen. The Bible says, now this is a different translation than what you're familiar with. It's not King James, but it says, as you excel in everything, like faith and speech and knowledge, and you excel in earnestness and in your love for you, and, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also, which was the act of financial giving and receiving. Right, amen. So he's actually talking about start excelling financially. Right, amen. But he said, you're excelling in everything. He names the list, faith, speech, knowledge, earnestness, all these things, love that God has for us and that we have for each other. You're supposed to be excelling in those things and then keep excelling, he said, even do that in the area of finances. Amen. Why am I telling you that? Simply that God wants us to have an excelling life yes. that tops Amen. everybody around us. Amen. That's bettered and beaten, exceeds all those around us. Amen. But now here's the question we got to deal with real quickly this morning. How do we do this? Well, the question came to me yesterday. I started looking at it. Well, how did Daniel do it? And that's what I started showing you. But others, listen to this motley crew. Listen to this. I don't think that's a bad way to say it. What about Joseph? He had every circumstance against him. How did he excel in a land where he was in prison, in a, in a political prison based on a lie that he couldn't say anything different than? But yet he excelled and became the leader of that nation. What about Job? How did he excel? He went through a hard time and everybody told him, just give up and die. Can you imagine? And who was that woman that said that to him? Remember what, remember what she actually said? Job. Now this is his wife. <laughs> This is his wife. This isn't Miss Crabbit that lives across the corner. This is, this is his own wife. You know what she said? She said, why don't you just curse God and die? You know what that would mean to me and you? Why don't you just curse God and say, I'm done with you, God, and go to hell? Just spend your eternity in hell. <laughs> I ain't going to hell. Not when God's made me a way out. In fact, you read one of the things Job said, I don't know everything. He said, this is what Job said. He said, I don't, realize, I don't, I don't understand everything, but I know one thing. I found a redeemer. Come on. Amen. You go, that's in the book of Job. Job said that. Amen. I found a redeemer. I love it. Amen. So how do we do this? But Job ended up excelling. Whatever took place in his life, what we call the struggles of Job, most Bible scholars agree that it didn't take place over more than nine months. How did Job excel? What caused him to excel to where he had twice as much as he started with? What about Moses? Moses was a man running from the law, hiding for 40 years on the backside of the desert, but yet he excelled above everybody else. What caused him to do that? What about Gideon? We'll look at Gideon in the scriptures this morning. Or Peter. There's a New Testament example. What about Peter? Peter, who was a failure at everything and denied the Lord even in, the, in a very crucial time, but yet how did he excel and become one of the leaders of the church? How did he do it? Well, they did it. They excelled above all others because they developed what the Bible, I'm going to show you in just a minute, was a spirit of confidence in, in the abilities that God had placed in them. Wow. See, that's what confidence is in. Not yeah. in ourself to be able to do something yeah. in the, alone, but in what God deposited in us. Yeah. 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 Amen. Yeah. I was reading, I believe it was Colin Powell. 
I believe I, I read what he said one time. Now, this is interesting to me. He said, nobody can use your abilities but you. Wow. That's an interesting statement, isn't it? You've been graced with certain gifts and talents on the inside of you. Yeah. Most people, not, now there was a, a guy years ago, what was his name? He was, a, was it Jamie Buckingham? Yes. Jamie Buckingham, the writer, wrote a lot of the articles that you and I used to read in the early, in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s even. Uh, Jamie Buckingham was a spirit-filled man. Loved, he's in heaven today. But he said this one. I was listening to him teach. I believe it was in um, 1986 at Oral Roberts Charismatic Bible Ministers, 10,000 ministers gathered. And Jamie was just, just he, didn't, he didn't have a whole session, but he was just asked to say a few things. And Jamie Buckingham said this. I never will forget it. He said, some of the best songs, Christian songs, some of the best Christian books that you would ever read are buried in graveyards in the heart of people that they never got out. In other words, they had gifts and talents in them, and they never did anything with them. They just went through life kind of mediocre, namby-pamby life, not, not really pushing out, excelling in any way, and never had a mind to excel. Never had a mind to do something great or leave a, a mark on the planet. Amen. But see, but God's Word doesn't leave us with that kind of an attitude. I'm telling you, I mean, Jeremiah, there's stuff that God's put within us before we were born. Right. The Bible says we were fearfully and wonderfully made. Better, better word for that would be He fashioned us in the way He wanted our lives to turn out. Amen. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs that a wise parent will actually see the way their child is, is growing, you know, or leaning, bent. Uh, one King James Version says bent. You know, Willie Nelson used to sing about being whiskey bent and hell bound. And he obviously believes that for himself because he's headed there just as fast as he can. But here, here's the thing. The word bent isn't a bad term. You know the scripture where it says, train up a child in the way he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it. We usually thought that to mean if your child backslides for a while, they'll always come back to God. Thank God that's a good way to do it. But literally that's not what it translates. What it says is a parent can look and see how a child is bent what that means is what direction they're leaning. Right, right. Like, like I've got a child that is leaning toward business yeah. or I've got a child that's leaning toward music and right. singing. Amen. Well, a wise parent begins to nurture that's that right. gift in them. Yeah. Does that make sense yeah. to you? Because we're all born with talents. Yes. Right. Train up a child in the way he's bent. In other words, begin to train him the way to go and he'll, he'll not depart from his calling. That's right. Somehow, we were talking about this the other day, Richard Nixon Richard Milhouse Nixon's mother, when he was a little boy, saw that there was something in him. And she said this to, to a little boy. Now, this is her little boy. Richard Milhouse Nixon, as you know, I know, became president of the United States. Richard Nixon, she said to her, his mother said to him when he was little, said, Richard, said, there's something in you that one day you're going to be in a great position to do something good for the nation of Israel. And he said, when they need you, you help them. Wow. Now, this was her, his spirit-filled Christian mother. Wow. One day, God's going to put you in a great position what does that mean? They don't know. God's going to put you in a great position and you're going to be able to help the nation of Israel when you are, help them. Wow. Richard Nixon now became, grew up and became president. God put him in a pretty great place. Amen. Amen. Said he was laying in bed one night when they awakened him and said, said President, excuse us, but we have an urgent call from the uh, Prime Minister of Israel. Wow. And this, of course, back during his term, of course. And he gets on the phone in the middle of the night, sitting on the edge of the bed, they said, talking and said, uh, said they said, said we're being under attack and so forth, Egypt and whatever it was. I don't remember all the details of it, but under attack. Can you help us? Richard Nixon said, I was holding that phone, and I thought, my mama said one day I'd be able to help Israel. He said, we'll get you all the help you need. And he did just that thing because his mama had still that in him. Wow. 
Well, big deal. Not everybody in this room is going to be president. Not everybody that you contact is going to be president. But they're all bent for something. Amen. That's right. Amen. And we began to recognize that. So I believe it was Colin Powell said, not not anybody, not anybody can use your abilities but you. So what happens if you don't use them? They go to the grave with you instead of blessing the world. So how do we do it like Joseph, Job, Moses, Gideon, and Peter? How do we do that? How do we excel? We do it through a spirit of confidence. Abilities that are put in us by the Creator already already deposited within us. So here we are today reading about Bible people. But we got modern problems, but we got also modern possibilities. Amen. God can do in us anything that He needs Amen. done if we'll just trust Him yes. and begin to put confidence Amen. in what He's doing. So we have to have confidence that'll thrust us into this spirit of excellence. Say, man, if you can Amen. see it. And that's why we dealt with meditation just a minute ago, learning how to just be still and think of God. Do you remember that scripture where it says, "Be still and know that I'm God"? Yes. That's what we practiced for 60 seconds or so a moment yes. ago. What if you could begin to do that in your life? What if we began to do that every Sunday that we came together and just said we're going to have a moment of creative silence? All of a sudden, things would start coming alive on the inside of us. Our lives are worn out because we struggle in our own abilities rather than confidence in who God's made us to be. That's why we get tired. That's why we get, that's why we get tired and just want to quit sometimes and lay down. I'm telling you, and, and I'm saying this, quoting some of the oldest ministers I ever knew. They said, I never get tired. I, I tell you, one of my favorite was F.F. Bosworth. You all hear me talk about him all the time. He went to heaven in 1948, I believe it was, so a long time ago. But F.F. Bosworth, reading after him, he said this. He said in his 70s, late 70s, he thought he was dead. He just, you know, wasn't sick. He just thought his ministry was over. So he said, I thought I should die because my ministry was over. So he went to bed, not sick. He called all his family in. They all came in and said, Daddy, what's wrong with you? Oh, nothing wrong with me. I just want to go. It's time to go. I'm finished. But during that time in his later 70s, when he thought his life was over on that bed, the Lord told him, said, I need you to go to Japan. And I need you to go to Cuba. And I need you to go to different places in Africa. And different, I think first was Africa. And so he said, you know, I didn't think I'd, I'd live any longer. And God got me up and had to tell my family, well, I'm not dying now. <laughs> he said he got up and got dressed. And he said, all right, where'd I go? And God sent him to Africa. He said, I stayed in Africa. I've forgotten all the, the details of this, but something like nine months you know, I go up for 10 days, see, 10-day mission trip. He went for nine months. He said, I preached on average three meetings per day, and he said, I never got tired. Wow. Now, this was a man that went to, heaven in heaven, it went to heaven in 1948, so you have to understand his language is a little antiquated. But here's what he said. He said, I just stayed plum peppy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not everybody knows what that means. He said, I just stayed pepped up all the time. He said, I took revival with me all the time. Never got tired because he said, I just kept leaning on the presence of the Lord. Well, that's a wonderful thing you and I are supposed to do too, but we grow tired because we try things in our own abilities. But the special technique of just manifesting God's creative power through meditation is something we're going to work on. And then we'll accomplish all that we're put here to do. Say amen if you can see that. So to develop confidence, you have to think on certain things in a certain way. Write down this scripture reference, Philippians 4, 8. Don't turn there again, please. I'm like, well, I tell you what, do turn there. I want to show you something about it. Philippians 4, 8. But I'm going to point out, and you hold your place. Tell me when you get Philippians 4. Tell me when you're there. Because I want to point out something, two Amen. things to you real quickly. How many of you love me at all today? Amen. Would you help me a little bit then? Yes. Amen. Can I have a Holy Ghost grunt? Amen. <laughs> all right. Philippians Y'all would be surprised how good and fast I could preach if I was helped. 
And then again, I'll just say this to you. Here's another thing people get tired of, and I know we do a lot of it, but it's called repetition. But that's the only way you can teach people that's is through right. repetition. Amen. You know, if you, if you had a teacher in school that taught you something one time and expected you to pass a test on it, they're not a good teacher. But teaching is repetition right. over and over. And that's just the way God gives us. And Paul even referred to that in the book of Philippians, but I won't go to that. But anyway, okay, you found Philippians 4? Yes. All right, look up here on the screen now because I want to say something to you about it and then we'll look down at our Bibles. Let, look up here before you read this. Listen, listen to me say this again. To develop confidence, you have to think on certain things in a certain way. That's how you start developing confidence. You have to think on certain things. I'm going to give you those certain things from this scripture. You have to think on certain things, and you have to think on them in a certain way. Now, look on the screen and read the first one, then we'll go to our Bibles. Look at this. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honorable, whatsoever thing is just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are commendable, if there's going to be any excellence, if there's going to be anything worthy of praise, Paul said, think on these things. If there's going to be anything excellent about our lives, you have to think on these things. You want to look at the list again? Okay, look down at your Bible. Let's look at it. I've got King James. I don't know what version you've got. Look down at this eighth verse again. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, honest. I'm just skipping over the whatsoever. Whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, good report. If there's going to be any virtue, the King James says. That word virtue is the word excellence. If there's going to be any excellence in your life, like Dave, Daniel had excellence in his life, like Joseph had excellence in his life, like Moses and Job Amen. had in their lives, like Peter had in theirs. That's right. If you're going to have any excellence in your life, you have to what? You have to do what? Think on these things. Okay, let me give you a word to add to that. Only think on these things. You can't think on the other things. But the promise is if there's going to be any excellence there. Now, look what he goes on to say. Now, please underline that part. Think on these things. So the Bible really doesn't give us options of things to think on. It tells us what we need to think on. Amen. So I'm going to say it again. To develop confidence, you have to think on certain things. Confidence produces a life of excellence. And he said if you're going to have a life of excellence, you're going to have to think on things that give you confidence. Amen. The more things you meditate on, true, honest, just, pure, lovely, and good report. And then here's the way you've got to deal with them. We'll look at the next verse, verse 9. Those things, now what are those things? Those things that we're supposed to think on. Those things which you have both learned and received and heard and seen in me do. That's an interesting way to say it. I circle the word do. You've got to perform those things that you're thinking on. You've got to start carrying them out. But notice Paul said, these, these list of things you need to be thinking on is what you're going to get anytime you hear me preach. The list of things that we just read, go back to it. Let's look at it on the screen up here. Whatsoever things are true, honorable, pure, lovely, commendable. Those are the things you should hear every time you come to church. Things that are true, honorable, just, right. In other words, pure. Word of the Lord is pure words. And it's commendable. Things that, are, that God has said about us, things that builds confidence on the Amen. inside of us right. are the kind of things we're supposed to think of and it will produce excellence if we do them. Think and do. Think and do. Look at it in this translation. Paul said, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Then he says this in the Amplified, if there's any, excuse me, if there is in any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise in your life, think continually on these things, that is, center your mind on them, yes. and implant them in your heart. Yes, amen. 
implant them into your heart. Message put it like this. Now watch that he goes on to say, put into practice what you've learned from me. You've got to start doing If you're not a doer of the word and a hearer only, the Bible says you're self-deceived. And excellence will never be a part of you. I don't want to misjudge you today. I'm just going to believe all of you are ready for excellence. So again, he says, in the message, he says, put into practice what you've learned from me, these things you hear when you come to church. It's so powerful what we learn when we come to church. If we're in a word-preaching church, I know not not every time you go to a church that they're preaching the word, but I mean, if you're in a church where Bible principles are preached, your life should be changing. Years ago, I read about a doctor, a medical doctor, and here's what he said. In fact, I'll tell you a story about a particular lady. I remember this one that stood out to me. This lady came to him. She was in deep depression, and it had to do something with with the fact that she was angry at her sister because her sister married her boyfriend, and this was 30, 40 years ago. And so she had nothing to do with her sister, and she was angry, and she was bitter. And you know as well as I do, it was killing her physically. It had destroyed her. She was in depression. She was in all kinds of sickness. And this particular doctor that she went to said to her, said, here, you've got to promise me. And he knew she was an uppity kind of snooty lady. And he said, you've got to promise me you'll do what my prescription for you is. And she said, I'll do it. Give me some pills. And he said, I don't have any pill that will fix it. She said, I want the pill. Now, this was a woman. She wanted her own way. And he said, I don't have anything that will help you in a pill form. But he said, I do want you to follow a prescription, but you're not going to like it. And he said, she said, give me the prescription. And she kept on about the pill. He said, okay, I'll give you a pill to go with it. One day it will be a pink one, another day a white one, and another day a green one. Of course, you all know what that was. It was a placebo. And he said, I'll give you a couple of pills to go with it. But you've got to sign this paper that you'll do what I'm asking you to do, or I will turn you over to another doctor and I'll never help you again. Never help you again. So she signed it. She's depressed. Then he wrote out the prescription. Said, take one of these pills, which were nothing, sugar pills. Take one of these pills every day. That was just to satisfy her mind. And then go to church every Sunday morning to a Bible preaching church. Well, that made her furious. She said, no, I don't do it. She said, I don't like to hear sermons. He said, then go to church and don't listen. Put cotton in your ears if you want to, but get in the atmosphere of church. Because that doctor, medical doctor, understood more than most that in the church is where the right atmosphere, like we talked about a while ago, for the presence of God to come in. And if if Lisa came here seeking God, and if Judith came here seeking God, and Avril came here seeking God, every time you add another person that really had their mind on God, the power increases in the church. And that doctor said, go do that. Well, that lady said she did it because he, he told her, said, if you don't, I'm never going to treat you again. Wow. And she said she went and was mad, sat in church mad. But she said about the fourth Sunday, <laughs> third or fourth, I think she said, she said, I started kind of liking what the man had to say. And I started enjoying it, started listening a little more intently. And then she said, I started putting in practice what the wow. man said. And, of course, you understand her life changed rapidly. She had been going through that for over 20-something, nearly 30 years. And so her life changed rapidly when she put the word first place. But you've got to be a doer of what you hear in practice. So look at this now. Message says, put in practice what you've learned from me, what you've heard and saw and realized. Do that, and God, who makes everything work together, will work you into his most excellent harmonies or into the harmonic balance of excellence. 
God will get you into that place. Amplified said it like this, practice these things. Come on, read with me. Practice these things in when? In Sunday life. No, Monday life, I want to whip somebody. No, he said practice these things when? Say it with In daily life, and the God who is the source of peace and well-being will be with you. Amplified Classic says model your way. I like this. Model your way of living on the words that you hear in church. Model your way of living on them, and the God of peace, that is, of untroubled, undisturbed well-being will be where? With you. All because you put God's Word first place in your life. So you have to practice the Bible way of thinking to produce this kind of confidence. Even if you detest sermons, get in the church and listen. It's a wide variety of people. I, I was thinking last night, and I wrote down some things. I won't go into it because we're out of time this morning. But it's a wide variety of people that come to church. But even though we're wide or we have vast differences in our lives, there's only a few common human problems. Most all of us have the same problems that we're fighting. I, I know this from experience of going in foreign lands. You go into foreign countries, they're battling the same thing that we're battling in America. I, I was preaching in uh, Haiti through interpreter even, and Brother Enoch Ramon was my, was my interpreter. I never will forget it. And he was standing to my right, and, and I was preaching, and I was going to talk about, you know, your troubles. And I thought, well, our troubles have got to be different in, in, in this country than what mine would be in America. And so I stopped, and I said, I said Brother Enoch, tell me, what, you know, I don't want to just say anything that won't mean anything to them. I realize there are different country, you know, things, things that go on in different nationalities and so on. And I said, what's, what's common sicknesses over here? I thought it'd have to be something I've never heard of. And he said, high blood pressure is number one thing in here. Wow. And I thought, well, that's a big problem with millions of Americans. Yeah. In other words, big variety of people come to church, but it's only a few common problems that we all have. Yeah. And the Word of God has the answer to right. all those problems. Right. On, on the screen, look at this, Psalm 107 and verse 20. I want you to look at this and read this one out loud with me. This is your answer for all problems is the Word of God. Read it with me. Ready? Go. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. God's got a Word from Him for every one of your problems. Every one of them. You'll never have a problem that God doesn't have the cure to it. Amen. God's Word is the solution to all our problems. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Look at verse 16. What's the first two words? Anybody on the left side of the room? All Scripture. Anybody on the right side of the room? All Scripture. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God, and it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. All Scripture will fix you. Whatever point it gives you the instruction you need, all Scripture will do it. Why does God want to fix us with Scriptures? Verse 17, if a man's in the Word, this is what will happen to him, that the man of God or the woman of God may be perfect, thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Amen. Completely ready. Now, look at it on the screen. Every part of Scripture, this is the message translation, every part of Scripture is God-breathed and is useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, Correcting our mistakes. We need that, don't we? Yes. Training us to live God's way. Amen. This is how we have a life of excellence. Amen. This is how we have a life of excellence yes. because the Word will instill the confidence in us to Amen. keep us on track. I'll read it again. Every part of Scripture is, God's, is God-breathed and it's useful one way or the other. Showing us what? Truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. He goes on to say, through the Word, we are put together and shaped up for the task 
God has for us. Amen. God's put you on this planet with certain yes. tasks. Yes. And the Word is the only thing that will shape you to do it. Yes. Look, at, look at how the Passion Translation says this. It says, fully mature and perfectly prepared. This is what the Word will do to us. It will make us fully matured and perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment that God gives you. I wish you'd start looking at your life as an assignment. I'm married on assignment. I'm pastoring on assignment. <laughs> you know, I'm still pastoring this church after 40 years, 30 years at this church because you need it. <laughs> the Word will make us fully matured and perfectly prepared to fulfill any assignment that God gives us, always to be ready for any assignment that God will ever take us to. Praise God. I um, saw something one time. I'm just going to tell you this because this is going to be kind of an introduction to where we're going to go into next Sunday. I saw something one time that taught me a lesson that I'm trying to get across to you this morning because I've been searching it for the Word since then and, and uh, putting this together, waiting on the opportunity for God to say, teach on it, and then he said, December's the month to deal with it. Amen. I was in a, a public place one time. A lot of people were there. And uh, it was a sporting event that's been some time back. And there was a lady came across the floor in this event. I don't know, a couple of hundred, 300 people there. And it just seemed like she demanded everybody's attention. You know, it just, everybody's focus came on her. She was cute. She carried herself in a certain way that amazed me. And uh, I thought how it just got everybody's attention. Everybody was talking to her. Everybody was just biding for her time, you know, fighting for her time. And she sat down. And I looked at her. And this happened over two weeks. And finally, now, I'm not about to tell you when this took place, where this took place because I wouldn't want you to go back to her. But I looked real deep at her one time from a distance, and I thought, she's not an attractive woman, but everybody's attracted to her. She's not beautiful in the world's sense of beauty, maybe, but everybody was attracted to her. Everybody wanted her to sit around them, seemed like. I mean, it just just the most popular person in there. And I asked the Lord for two weeks, because the Lord kept saying, I want you to learn a lesson from this. And I couldn't get the, I couldn't learn it. And I said, Lord, what is it you're trying to show me? She says she's got the one thing. And it answered something that I've wondered about and tried to tell you all for years, and I've told you wrongly. I said, Lord, what is it she's got? He said she's got confidence. The world calls it self-confidence. But she's got confidence in herself that she's cute. And so the people treat her the way she thinks of herself. Everybody responds to you in the kind of response that you carry about yourself. That's right. Amen. If people don't treat you with respect, if you look deep enough, you'll find you have no respect That's on the inside right. for yourself. Amen. When the Lord told me that, it answered something that I've tried to tell you all and told you wrongly for years. You know how I would say a lot of times, you all have heard me say this many times, that it's funny to me that if you look in the, the secular world, for example, and you see people that's made it big in a singing career that can't yeah. sing, and I've named singers that I didn't think was very well at it. I mean, you, you just take a lot of saying, now I might hit your star, so don't get mad at me. But, you know, Mick Jagger can't sing. But yet he's carried a successful career. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We, we mentioned the other day, Tiny Tim, he, he made tiptoeing through the tulips look horrible. You know, I mean, people can't sing. I, I don't know that Bob Dylan would be counted as a good singer, but yet they've had very extremely successful singing careers. 
I always said to you, and I was right in this, but wrong. I was right, but wrong. No, you got to listen to me. I know more. I understand more. That's what I'm trying to say. I would say to you, but they put their whole heart into it. And because they put their whole heart into it, people were, were attracted to them. But the Lord, when he showed me that through that situation with that woman, the Lord said, they've got confidence. That's what heart is. And I understood it for the first time. They had confidence that their career could be successful. I heard a businessman say one time, he was a very successful businessman. And he said this, he said, I never worry about any business adventure. He said, I get into some doozies. I get into some things that the wrong turnout could destroy my business. He said, but I never worry a minute about it. I put total confidence in it. He said, now this is the way he said, I just cover the situation with total confidence. And I don't worry a bit. And it always turns out all right. No, I don't think that's... And, and he's, he's, he added this. I thought it was interesting. He said, I just blanket it. I cover it with confidence. I don't worry about it anymore. And it always turns out right. And he said, and that's the simple fact. And I thought, it may be a simple fact, but it's probably the most profound thing that we can all do is never worry about it even for a minute. Amen. Good. Isn't that what Jesus it's taught good. us? Amen. Have faith in God and don't yes. doubt. Many years ago, and you all know this, and I, I, this just, I love it. Many years ago, the New York Yankees, Jack, was playing the Chicago Cubs. And it was a big game, very important game. And they were two outs already, if I remember right. The, New York, the Yankees were at bat, and it was two outs. And they needed a run to win this game. And they brought up, on the lineup was their next greatest player, a man Oh, he went by a nickname. They called him Babe. <laughs> Babe Ruth. He was so sweet they named a candy bar after <laughs> Babe Ruth came to there, and they needed to run so bad, badly. And Babe Ruth had each time that pitcher boy made his windup, and he was an excellent pitcher for the Cubs. And he threw that ball across the plate, and it whizzed, and Babe Ruth swung with everything he had, and he had two strikes on him. Two outs and two strikes. And the Yankees could lose the game if they missed this one. But Babe Ruth walked back for that third pitch. And he walked up like this. And he took his bat. And he looked, not at the pitcher, not at the team. He pointed right out in the outfield with his bat. Yeah. And said, that's where I'm putting this next ball. Yeah. And he got in his swing position. And apparently the pitcher was confident in himself that he had already thrown balls that Babe couldn't hit. And he wouldn't hit this one either. And so he threw another one right across the plate. And when that ball whizzed across the plate, Babe Ruth swung and hit it, and that ball went nowhere except where he said it would. And the Yankees, of course, won the game. When they interviewed Babe Ruth later, they said, when one interviewer asked him, said, Babe Ruth, what would you have done if you'd have missed that ball? Babe Ruth said, I never thought of that for a minute. I'm telling you, there's a spiritual truth in that ball game fact. Most of the things we fail at is because we think about the failure side of it quite often. What if we would clean ourselves to think so confident in the God on the inside of us that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us that it's absolutely not possible for me to fail. Can I close with giving you some scriptures rapid fire right quick? All right. If you're going to jot them down, jot them down real quick. And then Brother Joel, if you'll come in after that and just pray with us over our tithes and offerings. We'll let everybody go home. I have no idea what I didn't even look. 
I do have an idea what time it is. It's late. But I'm going to do this quick. You write this down quickly for me? Yes. Write these down, and I'm, then we're going to read them on the screen just rapid fire. Philippians 4.13, you're all familiar with it. Abbreviate, would you? Yes. Philippians 4.13, Psalm 46.5. I want you to have these to go home and read and meditate. Amen. Now, if you're so wonderful that you don't need to write these scriptures down, uh, we'll just see. Proverbs 31.25. Proverbs 31.25. 1 Corinthians 25.10 and Psalm 27.3. You ready? Amen. These are scriptures that will build confidence on the inside of you. I'm sorry. What is it? Let me go over them all five real quick. Philippians 4.13, Psalm 46.5, Proverbs 31.25, 1 Corinthians 25.10, and Psalm 27.3. I don't know if I said that one right. You ready? Yes. I can do all things. Same with me. I can, I can do, do all now, things. Now look, these scriptures, I'm telling you, if you'll go over these regularly, they'll build confidence inside yes. of you. Amen. These are just five. I'll give you more next week, Lord willing. I can do all things in, in Him who strengthens me. This is a different translation than King James. I can do all things through Christ, you know, your King James says. I can do all things. Now, you're going to have to make a decision. You can do all things. That's right. Amen. Psalm 46, 5 says, God is within her. Talking about the nation. God is within her. She will not fall. She will not fall. Will not fall. Other scriptures say similar things. Proverbs 31, 25, this is about the Proverbs 31 woman. You know, it says, she laughs without fear of the future. That's a life of confidence, isn't it? Laugh without fear of the future. The devil says your children are going to go away. Wait, oh, no, no, no. My children are serving God. Proverbs 31, 25. 1 Corinthians 25, 10 says, by the grace of God, I am what I am. That's what Paul said. He said, I don't even deserve to be called an apostle. But I tell you this, he said, I am what I am by the grace of God. What are you gifted to be and what are you called to be? What do you, I, I quoted this the other night, but what can you not sleep without thinking about? Winston Churchill said, what can you go without a day thinking about? He said, that's what you're called to do. And then Paul said, I'm, I am to, called to do it by the grace of God. I can do it. I am what I am. Psalm 27, 3 says, though an army besieges me, my heart will not fear. Though war breaks out against me, even then, Will I remain confident? Amen. I'll be confident. That confidence has to stay on the inside of us. Yes. What yes. confidence is in you this morning? Yes. Cast out all negative thinking about your own ability and believe strong enough with confidence you'll control the atmosphere around you Amen. and it'll change your life and you'll start attracting real good things to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Did you get anything out of that today? Jump to your feet. Father, we thank you for the word. We say the word will not return void, but it will produce in us exactly what it was sent to do. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said amen, amen. and amen. Praise God.